Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the UK Film Review Podcast. I'm your host for tonight, Chris Olsen, back from a bit of a break, having a child and all that during the lockdowns, as you do. Um, But I'm back for the big one because I wouldn't miss this. We are talking today about the Harry Potter films. And joining me are a couple of muggles. Um, Sorry, that's already offensive. Um, A couple of muggles. Uh, We've got Chris Buick. Hello. And we've got Amber Jackson. Hi there. And this is Amber's first podcast episode for us, so we're going to be um, we're going to be nice to her. We're not going <laughs> to throw anything too controversial at her. Um, although good. maybe by the last few films, you know, let's see how she warms up. I guess. Um, how are you, Amber? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. How are you guys doing? Yeah, not too bad, Chris. Yes, thank you. Good. Yeah. So. We're talking about Harry Potter. I was going to do the music. I was going to kind of you know, cue it in or something like that. But then I just realized that it's such a big, like, machine, the Harry Potter machine. That I didn't want them coming after me with lawyers. Like, oh, yes. you use the music. How dare you use the music? Um, I don't know if I could hum it. I was going to try and hum it. And then I realized I'd probably get it wrong and do Star Wars or something. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Which is always, you ever done that? You've been at a party and they've gone, like, oh, it's the intros round. And then you do the wrong one. And you're like, Oh, yeah, the embarrassment yeah, yeah, is real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now all we've got is the Jurassic Park one in my head, so no, I don't want to do that either. Stop, Chris, you're going to get me in trouble. I can feel the lawyers coming already. Oh, no, right. oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> They're at the window. <laughs> um, so we're going to fly back 20 years. Um, that's the power of magic and cinema. Um, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, Stone or... Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, um, depending on your your title. Now, obviously, before we get started on the film, I want to just quickly ask, um, Amber, are you a fan of the books? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, mean, being, I mean, I'm in my early 20s, so I feel like 
Harry Potter has been around like my entire life because the, the first book came out the year I was born. So I feel like, I mean, a lot of people my age kind of, you grow up with it. It's kind of that the films were coming out as, you know, we were old enough to go to the cinema and stuff. So, yeah, definitely well versed in Harry like Potter. Yeah. Massively old now yep. we've talked about that. Yep. Great. Chris, Chris <laughs> were, they, were they all bedtime stories? Um, I, I mean, I'm slightly older than you, Amber. Um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, I grew up with the books and the films as well. Um, I remember in 1997 when the first book came out, uh, we had, you know, when you had your world book day at school and everyone goes and gets a book token, oh, yeah. Harry Potter was the book that everyone got. And basically, it, that was all they had there because that's all the book everyone wanted. And from there on, I was hooked and I've loved it ever since as a series. Yeah, mine was a bit weirder than that. Um, I got given, uh, I know, I think my mum won the fourth book. So I came into it slightly later. My mum won the fourth book in some kind of newspaper <laughs> competition. Oh, wow. I love that. Uh, and so I read that one first. And then. Read you, the started, first. you started with the first one? Yeah, then I started, no, I started with the fourth one. Started, yeah. I read the first one. Yeah, well, it is the best one, yeah, but yeah. I was like, <laughs> I didn't know that. I thought, this is really weird. It's a really strange book. But I, you just <laughs> I launched was, straight in there. I was well into it. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, then I read them kind of in like a weird order from there. And then I stopped for ages. And then I went to uni, and then my now wife sort of was like, oh, you didn't finish the rest of the book? So I was like, no, no, because I thought, I thought the fourth one was the last one. And they were like, no, no, there's more books. <laughs> so I had to go back and read the others, and I was a, a fully fully grown adult by that point and I was uh, well as, as close as I was going to get anyway and then I um, I read the rest and I was like oh, this is amazing um, but I was reading them kind of as the films were coming out which was oh. odd it was like read the book watch the film sort of thing which I think was probably similar for a lot of people by the time they got to the to the last few books because I think the last book did come out quite close to the last film um, but their first film 2001 gosh we're going back a long time was Chris Columbus um so it's not Chris because we've got a lot of Chris's flying around now. Uh, Chris Buick, um, how do you feel they did with the first film? You know, this book that you got the book token for. You know, was it everything you hoped it would be? Uh, yes, uh, it was at the time. Um, obviously, when you read the first book and you are introduced to the world, you've got all these images flying around your head of, you know. Diagon Alley and Quidditch and all these things, these crazy things that J.K. Rowling has managed to conjure conjure up. And then when obviously when the first film was released, seeing all that kind of brought to life on screen was just amazing to see. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously it's been 20 years and they're, you know, they don't maybe look as good as the later films in the series the first two i'm talking about but they do really do a good job of establishing the world and all these things that you've already read about in my case multiple times and yeah i think the first film does a really good job and chris columbus is a probably a good director to have for that because it gives you that sense of adventure which he's obviously good with with things like the goonies and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff um but also manages to play the kind of darker side with the Voldemort stuff, you know, not quite as dark as like Gremlins, obviously, because that's <laughs> too crazy, but he does manage to find that fine balance of fantasy adventure while um, keeping a kind of 
moderate fret level, I guess, was what you'd call it for PG-13 or whatever they call it. So, yeah, it's good. I like it. And uh, Amber? Yeah, no, I agree. I think that that kind of um, that kind of fantasy um, it, it's just it's so nostalgic, isn't it? When, whenever you go, whenever you watch the first film again, you're just immediately brought right back to that that time. Um, it just feels like so like it's just such a timestamp in a way, even though like it you know it's kind of yeah, I don't know. It's just yeah. I think like one of the things I felt about it was it was kind of iconic in the way that they got so much of it right. I think what, what you were saying, mm. Chris, like some of it was <clears throat> you know, big, big moments, like when he finds out he's a wizard and uh, the, the train, you go on the train for the first time. Uh, it's all the first times, isn't it? Like the first time yeah. you meet so many of the characters and all those yeah. things that they just got a lot of it right. It really That's did so feel true. like the book. Um, it is definitely the lightest of them all. I've got, you know, because... People differ, don't they, in terms of what they like from Harry Potter. Like some really like the darker films, and actually some I know a few people that actually really like the earlier films because they're a bit lighter. And um, yeah, it, I think yeah, I think the um, especially the first two films, they're almost like the first chapters. They're almost like word for word. They really, really follow. Like I guess yeah. because J.K. Rowling had such a heavy hand in the in the first two at least, mm. and then she kind of you know, takes a step back as the films progress and that's when they get darker and they, you know, they don't follow the, the book as much. Um, <laughs> Were you guys like my wife, which was when we watched the film, she just cannot help herself by going, that's not in the book, that's not in the book, that's not in the book. <laughs> I mean, definitely I was like that when I was a teenager, definitely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you you look at all the films and you go, well, obviously they haven't got everything in there, they've changed some bits in order to make the story make be more streamlined and you know fit into a two-hour film narrative whatever but i also i think they do especially in the first film as an example they do a good job of taking what i imagined when i was reading it on the page and on the screen for example wizard's chess when they're playing wizard's chess i look at it and go wow that is kind of what i pictured they were doing and yeah. you know they're yeah i mean we can and we, we might do, we can look at all the films and the differences from the books and if they're significant or not, but I feel like they do get a lot of stuff in there that is important and they at least get the bare minimum of a story point um, in there to make it so that we know it's been acknowledged, but also to keep the film kind of going. So I feel like they do a good job of keeping that balance, mostly. Yeah, and I think there's <clears throat> enough in there that you know, if anyone hadn't read the books, um, which you know, quite a lot of people had, had not, it's such a good mm -hmm. foundation because they do follow it so well. They do get you know so many of the, the touch points in there um, and it all kind of makes sense. Whereas some of the later films, even I'm watching them going, did that happen in the book? Like, that that oh, feels yeah. like that's not been very well explained. Like I don't really understand that. And, and then it got, you know, I don't know, it kind of was, too ambitious to try and cover some of these um, books. Like, yeah, they split the last one over two, and I think that actually quite a lot of the books could have done with two parties. But you know, no one's yeah. going to want like a fifteen-film franchise sort of thing. But unless um, you're like a super fan, where you're just like, give me that ten-hour director's cut. <laughs> yeah. Don't get yeah. me wrong, I'd watch it absolutely. <laughs> but <laughs> um, and then yeah, I think you know, there's some parts of the film. You know, we, we'll get onto it, I guess, but. You meet the the main actors, especially the child actors, for the first time, and I think it's 
because it was brand new you, you kind of forgive them a little bit more like there's certain scenes where you kind of like oh that's okay that's kind of cute <laughs> that's kind of like it's okay it's fine like when um yeah. when harry finds out he's a wizard and he's like oh, i can't be a, a wizard <laughs> and it's yeah. like, he sounds like he's made of wood and it was like can't, i can't do this but i think it's more forgivable in in that first film and um, it has such a charming nature I just, as you say chris i think the chris columbus element it has such a, a world about it, and it just really, really works. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, anyone got anything else to say about the first film? It's just crazy how like how little they are, isn't it? I guess because they're only like <laughs> ten, and they, yeah. they're just so baby faced. And then you you look at them by the last film, and it's just like they re- they really did just grow up on in that film world, didn't they? Yeah. Um, but yeah, what you were saying before, it I think um, what's funny to me is. So it's like I mean I guess a bit of trivia, but then in the first film, um, when there's scenes with the three, the three main uh, guys, what's interesting is um, <laughs> like they had to keep editing away from Emma Watson because she kept when when um, Daniel Radcliffe and Rupert Grint were speaking, she kept mouthing along their lines as well. <laughs> so there's a lot of like back and forth shots, like when when they're looking um, at. There's a, there's a scene with the book where they're, where they're learning about Nicholas Flamel in the first film and they keep cutting away from her because she's just like mouthing what they're all saying. <laughs> I just think that's quite sweet. Yeah, and she's, she's that diligent, you know, and she really yeah. suits the character, to be honest. Like when you watch that film, you're like, they got the casting for her really, really well. I think that was brilliant. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Because she was, she was the one without like the professional acting background, really. So it's amazing that, that she got in there and she's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, they're all cast. All three of them, I think, are actually cast pretty well for the roles. And um, just it's just as well that they grew up to be good actors as well, because sometimes you get child actors who don't necessarily take it on into their adulthoods. Um, but I think the three of them really grow in the roles really well. And uh, I think it start. I think the first one was a really strong start for the whole series. Uh, yeah, I think the fact that they're surrounded by these like absolute heavy hitters of oh, British yeah. acting like Maggie Smith and you know um, Richard Griffiths and Ian Hart and all these people that you're just like you, you're getting like the best exposure to acting by being around Definitely. these people um, like I know that um, later on in the films they obviously like Gary Oldman I think was a bit of a mentor to Daniel Radcliffe and stuff but like I think just being in that in these scenes with these with these people would have just been the best like training ground ever. Yeah. I mean, to work with Robbie Coltrane would have been a you know absolute dream for me. What a legend! But, um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, so obviously, in the first film, he finds out he's a wizard, uh, goes to Hogwarts, does the whole shebang, um, and then there's the whole. <laughs> I mean, uh, sorry, I should always say spoilers, everyone. Um, but these films are quite old, so you know, if you haven't seen them, God, what have you been doing? <laughs> I think um, you know the you get the scene at the end where. Um, it's the Philosopher's Stone, he uses it to beat the sort of guy with a face on the back of his head, um, which is actually quite a startling scene, to be honest. When I rewatched that, I was like, this is actually quite scary. Like, oh, if yeah. It's the first time I was doing this. Um, and that's pretty much where the, the first film ends up. It's kind of a, actually more of a um, succinct sort of story of the films. Like, you could kind of take that one film and they could have left it. Like, if it didn't work, it would have been okay if they hadn't have carried on doing any more. Um, it sort of worked on its own. And then a couple of years later, no, no, literally the next year, we get Chamber of Secrets. Um, now, who am I going to pick on? 
Okay, Amber. Amber, can you give us the plot for Chamber of Secrets? Oh, the pressure. <laughs> <laughs> you guys didn't know I was doing this, did you? I'm just throwing it out. <laughs> no, it's okay. So, Chamber of Secrets. Harry and Ron, there's a car. Chaos ensues. Um, <laughs> they get to Hogwarts in a non-traditional way. Um, and then the term starts and it's slowly people, there are several people that start getting petrified, which basically, for some reason, you don't know what being petrified means. It means that they're being turned to stone. Is that fair to say? That they're just Pretty frozen? I, I've gra- I'm glad you threw some lingo in. I didn't want people to accuse <laughs> us of not you know, throwing the lingo in. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically, Harry, Ron and Hermione have to figure out what's behind the petrifying um, there's lots of very ominous messages like daubed on the walls of Hogwarts about the Chamber of Secrets. They have to figure out what it is. Um, and yeah, the adventure continues. Nice. You could have done the overvoice for the trailer. I think that oh, would have worked you. quite well, actually. <laughs> I always um, love those old trailer voices. Well, in prep for this, I was watching some of the trailers and it's great because they do do that whole kind of this year and I, I miss that I, don't, I feel like trailers should do that in every single trailer it's like the same American know. man isn't it like, yeah, it's that one guy I've met him like, well not met him I've seen him on TV I was like yeah. wow he actually talks like that um, <laughs> yeah it's a chunky film this one mm. um, it's, it's quite a long one and I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this is quite often one of people's least Harry Potter favourite Harry Potter films is that fair to say Chris? Uh, I mean, if I had to pick one, then yeah, it would probably be this one. Mm. I feel like it, it keeps a lot of the magic and feeling you get from the first film, wherever, but well, obviously with that from where everything's new and exciting and you know, you're seeing things for the first time, um, this sort of obviously starts to dive a bit more into the narrative and you know, the, the whole Chamber of Secrets um, side of things and Tom Riddle and the lore behind what that means between uh, Tom Riddle and Voldemort. Um, don't worry, I, I still love this film. I just think it might, it's not my favourite of the eight that, that, are, that exist in the series. Um, it does have uh, Kenneth Branagh in all his glory. <laughs> he is fantastic in this. And it has, I, I do like the whole Chamber of Secrets uh, when they actually go underground with the basilisks and the fight there and the phoenix and um, obviously fox and the sword. Uh, I, lo- I love all that stuff. Um, I just feel like it doesn't quite hit the same kind of hype for me as the first one. Um, but then, as we'll talk about in a second, the third one really amped it up for me. So I think this was like a nice bridge, but it doesn't quite tick all the boxes for me in a way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree with most of the points you've made there. Amber? Yeah, that's that's really interesting you say that because mo- most people um, uh, I've spoken to, like my friends and that kind of thing, they say that Prisoner of Az- Azkaban is their least favourite. Mm. Um, but I don't agree. But <laughs> I do I do think with the with the Chamber of Secrets, I know what you mean. It, it also it does. I remember it feeling quite long, and I just quickly looked up the runtime, and it's like two hours and forty one minutes. Which <laughs> is way too long. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like it's quite a trek, but. But yeah, because this is one of the smaller books. When you look, like yeah. I think I've got the books on the shelf, and you look at like they don't sort of get really chunky until number four. Mm. So like the first few books are kind of more 
you know, concise. And I think that is a very long runtime. I also think it's one of the films where there's a slight disconnect between um, the story being told from the book to the film. Whereas with the first one, they, they seem to hit the, the points really well. With this one, it was a bit more like, oh, okay. Like you could see people getting slightly more lost with this. Um, there are some brilliant moments in the film because I think I'm right in saying I might get some Harry Potter um, fans shouting me for this but I think this is the first one where you get Quidditch I don't think Quidditch was in the first film is that right? Uh, Quidditch is in the first film I oh think. no I knew it was going to shout at me um, <laughs> I had to think yeah, yeah, I, I, is, it, is it in the first film? is it? Uh, yeah, they learn he... to fly I know they do the, the, the flying lesson because he sort of oh, ends yeah. up on the roof or whatever it is with uh, Madame Pomfrey. Madame the, Hooch, yeah. Hooch, Hooch, yeah. So he, like, like they do the whole up, up thing, trying to get the... But I thought the yeah. second one was where he sort of tries out. Or is that... No, because it's... Is weird. it the first one where he's, he nearly swallows... He, yeah, he catches snitch. his neck in his mouth in the first film, I think. Oh, OK, yeah. That, see, I'm, I'm the wrong person for this podcast. I've obviously got no clue <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> no, I think I'm with it now. It's when... Um, uh, what's his name? Joins it. Draco. Yeah. He, he joins... Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah anyway I think there's certain things in the film which really do work um, they, they up their game uh, have any of you been to the, the studio tour the Warner Brothers studio tour yeah. yes I have I actually went four years ago today because it came up on Facebook memories I went <laughs> Halloween oh, wow. and, wow. <laughs> yeah there was, there was a picture of the great hall where all the pumpkins are like floating from the ceiling um, wow um, so yeah, Chris, it's so it's yeah. So I've been twice, and so better, me too. By the way, so don't don't feel don't feel embarrassed. I was I was meant to go. No, I'm not. No, no way embarrassed. In fact, in fact, I'm going about to tell, give you an anecdote that's more embarrassing. Um, so my better idea, my birthday is actually the 31st of July, which is the same as J.K. Rowling's and therefore Harry Potter's. Um, so I went to the studio tour on my birthday and went. Um, for those who have haven't been sorry but when you first start you sit in the seat and the guide tells you about what you're going to see and what to expect from the tour and the guide said um clearly to all the children that were there um today is a very special day because today's actually harry potter's birthday so uh does anyone else have a birthday today and I, my hand shot off i was in my mid-20s and, <laughs> so, and she gave me that look as if to say huh, okay and then I, I, I didn't feel any shame, but maybe I should have left it for the kids. But yeah, no. I, I, I love that studio tour. It's great. No, that, that's really funny because the exact same thing happened to me because I went for my 20th birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I was also opening the door with some five-year-olds and getting that glare of like, what are you doing? But yeah. no, absolutely do I'm not gonna, care. I'm going to make this a trio of shame yes. because <laughs> I did the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> The first time I went, my wife took me, and it was meant to be a surprise, but if you've ever been, it's like Watford or something, isn't it? And yeah. whenever you go, I had to drive because she had a migraine, and um, as soon as you get anywhere near it, there's just loads and loads of signs up everywhere saying Warner Brothers Studio Tour, like this way. And we put it in the sat-nav, and I was like, I'm pretty sure I know what the surprise is. <laughs> um, but yeah, when we went, they were like, oh, is it anyone's birthday? And I was expecting it would just be me. I mean, there was at least four other people that it was birthday. I was like, and they were a lot younger. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, yeah, out of the way, kids, out of the way, kids. 
Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I got to push the door. I'm, um, glad, it's, I'm glad it's not just me. <laughs> yeah, oh no, I, I, to be honest, I was tempted to kind of say, can we do like individual door openings? Like just go close it again and then, then reopen it? Like, because I kind of yeah, want to do it on my own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, circling back to why I brought this up was that um, the practical effects, when you know what went into creating mm. so many of those iconic moments, like the Quidditch and, and the car and things like that it really gave it like a whole nother level of appreciation for me. I was like, mm. oh my God, like what they were doing. Because obviously these days we're so used to things being CGI'd, but so much of that film was practical effects, like real things mm. happening. And I just have so much respect for the filmmaking. It's amazing. That's yeah, amazing. It, it really gives you a sense of like how many people are actually behind the, the production as well. Mm. Obviously, obviously it's a big film, mm. but I think with, with the Chamber of Secrets, I think some of my favourite props are, you know, when they go to the Weasley house for the first time mm. and Harry's looking in absolute awe at like the wash, the like pan washing itself in yeah. the sink and the <laughs> knitting, knitting itself. And like they show that at the, the studio tour, like how, how they make it and they've got so it there. Cool. It's just... It's just so cool. Yeah. You're just literally standing there with your mouth open, pointing at it, going, oh my god, look! <laughs> literally everything around. So, yeah, yeah, the props are great. Especially that film as well has a lot of good props, obviously, with the, the diary and stuff, and, mm. you know, everything that's in there. Is, it's, a, it's a massive feat in terms of filmmaking, and the production in this film is good. It is slightly too long, but it is a very. Uh, you can tell a lot of effort went into making it. So I'm going to move on to the to the third film, and because I'm very interested now, because you both have raised interesting um, points of view on this film, because it isn't one of my favourites. Um, I didn't particularly like. I think I liked the book a lot more than I liked the film, and I have one very real problem with this film. And it's not really its fault, it's the story's fault, but is it, it suffers from this whole Groundhog Day effect of where they have to go back and do the, the scene again. Yeah. Um, I find that on film, I always get a bit annoyed when I'm watching a film that does that. Like when I watch like Happy Death Day and stuff, and I'm like, oh, I've got to watch this again. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm watching like about a third of a film here. Um, so that's one of my problems with it. But when I, I was watching, do you ever watch Honest Trailers? Um, I think yeah. it's yeah, ages ago they did an honest trailers for Harry Potter and it was like, they came to this one and said, it's the one that everyone loves. And I was like, is it? I don't, I don't love this one. But like, and then when I've talked to a lot of people, it's true, they absolutely love this one. So, Chris, do you love this one? Uh, I do. This is actually, I would say this is my favourite of the film. Okay, well then I'm going to pick on you then to, to do the plot. So, uh, away you go. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I, was, I was totally prepared for this, of course. Um, so, uh, Harry is, as always, spending his summer with the Dursley family, horrible people. Um, he ends up blowing up his aunt, and by blowing up, I mean like a balloon, not like a bomb. <laughs> um, and she floats away because he she basically winds him up, and he, he gets really angry at her, and you know, he it's, it's just his power comes out, and she ends up blowing up, blowing away. I love that sequence in the film; it's great. Um, he then leaves uh, and catches a night bus, um, which is this magical bus that only wizards can see and the Muggle world cannot, which takes him to the Leaky Cauldron. Uh, at which point, the main plot of the story comes about in which he finds out that Sirius Black has escaped from the wizard prison called Azkaban, 
hence the title. Uh, he was supposedly a convicted supporter uh, of uh, Lord Voldemort and the one responsible for basically, essentially, in a way, kill, uh, the death of Harry's parents. Uh, and and Harry now realizes that Sirius is coming after him. Uh, and then, when the students all go to Hogwarts um, at the start of the school year, the castle is being guarded by the keepers of Azkaban Prison, also, or the Dementors, who are essentially um, like soul sucking spirits, I guess, that take the joy out of everyone and are there to look for Sirius Black. Um, and then the story unfolds from there. Um, so yeah, uh, that was pretty pretty deep. That was that was lengthy. You've you've given you've given a lot of detail there. That was an excellent summary. <laughs> when you uh, when you mentioned about the the night bus, I was I didn't want to interrupt you because you were on such a flow, but I was going to go mind your head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's on a, he's on a roll. I better not. Apologies. Um, uh, it, I, I, like I say, it's my favorite film um, of the of the eight and. Uh, yeah, I just it's what I've seen the most, so I, I, I kinda know it pretty pretty much back to front. So yeah. I mean, this has definitely got some of the best sequences in. I actually think it was where the film started to get more um professional looking. Like it didn't look quite as sort of young and childish like some of the first films. It started to look a bit more like, oh, okay, these have got like a style of their own now and they're really hitting their stride. Obviously it's a different director, but it just, yeah, really was coming along. Um, Amber, you're, you are a fan of this one, yeah? Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I, I agree. It, this is probably one of my favourite films as well. Um, yeah, controversially in my friendship group. I think it's because um, this is the one that seems to be always on at Christmas. It's always on the telly. Like, all, <laughs> yeah, it's always, always on the TV too. Yeah, yes. TV too, all the time. Always, yeah, always the Prisoner of Azkaban seems to be the one that they go for. Um, but yeah, no, there's definitely, I, I love the film, just again, nostalgia. But also, there is obviously the first two with Christopher Columbus, they're a lot more hopeful and lighthearted. This one is definitely a tonal shift. Mm. As to, and you know, they look a bit older, their voices have started to break. Um, <laughs> um, obviously, as well, it's. Um, it's Michael Gambon, isn't it, who takes over as Dumbledore? Again, yeah. that that's such a big vibe change in the film. I feel like he goes in such a different direction with Dumbledore. He's not as benevolent. Mm. Um, it, it, yeah, it really. I can hear um, my wife like, in my mind's ear going, <laughs> "It's not how he is in the book. He doesn't shout." <laughs> he would never shout in the book, no. <laughs> which we'll like get onto in the fourth one, like when he does the there's a bit which just my wife cannot let it go, but we'll get to oh, that. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're gonna say. Yeah, Dumbledore is. asks calmly, Harry, did you put your name in the couple of fire? <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, no, I do I do like three and I think the first time you see it is absolutely brilliant. Like when they do do the you know, the time turn thing, go back and, and you see it from this sort of other perspective and say, like, oh, this is brilliant. But I find, like, I think you're right, Amber, I think it was being played so many times on ITV2, I kept watching it and then I was like, oh my God, I'm, like, I'm watching it in double as well because I'm watching the same story twice. Then I watch it on the plus one for some reason yeah. and I go and watch it again. <laughs> and then I was like, I can't watch it and go back again and, and do that. Um, 
but no, it is good. And obviously, you get Gary Oldman um, introduced in this film, and he becomes like a really big part of the movies um, and their success. Yeah, it's a, it's a it is a very good film. Um, I certainly I think it's also a nice palate cleanser after number two. Like if I'm doing a big rewatch, I have to kind of build myself up to watch number two. I'm like, come on, and then when yeah. you get to three, it's oh, it's okay. This is we're back on back on solid ground now. Definitely. Um, yeah, I agree. I I agree with what Amber said. I think the the film takes a real stride. The series takes a real stride forward with this one. The the the, the three main um, actors really start to step into the roles a lot and they really become the characters I think really. Um, I get why people maybe not so much like this one as well because it is a bit of a, it's quite a shift in tone compared to the first two Um, obviously it's Alfonso Cuaron so you know you might expect such a thing but um, I think for me and you said about Gary Oldman of course but you've also got David Fulis you've got uh, Emma Thompson coming in as well so you've got this the cast is just getting already impressive, more and more and more impressive, which obviously does more and more as it goes on. But for me, it just does everything right. Oh yeah, and and Lupin as well. I was going to ask you guys if you had a favourite character, but I think Lupin is one of mine um, in Prisoner of Azkaban. That's a really good shout. Yeah. Yeah, I would probably agree with that in this film. Yeah, he's not my favourite character overall, but he would be in this film for sure. He'd definitely be in my top five. Overall, as well, though. I think Hagrid's just my solid top number one. Just, Love that. What a legend. What a legend. Um, all right, so let's go on to my favourite um, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. So I'll, I'll do the plot on this one because um, yeah, first book I read and I know it pretty well. Um, so this is the film, they go back to uh, Hogwarts and they're having the Tri Wizard Tournament, which is where two other schools visit and they play a series of games between themselves um, with their champions and somehow Harry ends up being picked as a secondary um, champion for Hogwarts even though he is too young and danger and explosive uh, violence really uh, ensue so it's a uh, it's definitely one of the um, well it's definitely a, a strong film for me. It's my favourite. But do you guys feel that it's a, it's a, you know, a is it in your top three? Oh, good question. Um, uh, spot there. Oh, I don't know if it's in. We'd have to do a full ranking at some point. You're gonna have to really yeah. sit down. I'm gonna have <laughs> to think about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would. I yeah yeah. I would put it in my top three. I'm just. I'm, I'm quickly doing the. The, the map the map on the other ones on in my head and uh, I know. <laughs> yeah I think it's my favorite book um I think there's a lot it's, I think it's is it the biggest book I, I, it's, I think so. it's, it's definitely up there if not mm. um there's a lot going on in the book and then there's a lot going on in this film um and I think yeah obviously we can talk about the Dumbledore meme now uh, in a minute about him shouting at Harry uh, <laughs> never gets old um, but I think there's a lot they managed to get from the book on the screen and especially with the whole Triwizard Tournament thing the whole labyrinth maze thing at the end I think it's just an incredible like sequence that happens um, I would have liked to have seen more from the Quidditch World Cup but I understand that this film is uh, I don't know Oh, two, two, 
two hours and 37 minutes long. So, you know, you're pushing it with what you can and can't put in there. But mm. I think this has a lot of the good stuff about Prisoner of Azkaban and it keeps the theme going and it manages to, uh, sorry, the tone rather, uh, keeps the same kind of level of tone and isn't a complete shift and manages to really keep the, keep the keep the momentum that the series then starts to keep building and building until it gets to the end. So yeah, I yeah, I'd put it in my top three. Fantastic. And uh, so Amber, is it you know, I don't know if you had enough time. Have you had enough time to do your full list? <laughs> um, um, I don't know if it's in my top three. I think maybe it would be three in my top three. Yeah. I possibly. I like to, my alternative title for this film is The One Where Nobody Cuts Their Hair. Um, <laughs> just because madness, it's just so long. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think this might have been the, the one that I, um, f- the first film that, of Harry Potter that I saw in the cinema. So maybe it does need to be on the top three. Um, but I remember watching it for the first time and being like, wow, this is, they've taken a dark turn now i mean yeah the 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 film itself actually works really well because it works almost like a sports film would where you've got this kind of you're building towards like a final and it and it works but it gets absolutely stolen for me by um jeff rule near the end who plays cedric diggory's dad so he has that one line where he just comes from the, the stand and goes my boy my oh, boy! Oh, yeah. Literally every time I hear it, it just cuts me up. I'm just like, oh my god, somebody help that man! Um, and it's just oh, such a good scene. And obviously, it's the the big one because it's where um, you properly see Voldemort come back. And it's like, oh, hold on, this is a big oh, shift yes. now. This yeah. is like where you get. It's basically like a cliffhanger. And I was like, oh my god, we need to find out more. And um, yeah, I just think it's it's such a good film. I never get bored watching this film. Every time I watch it, I just think it's got so much going for it. Um, but yeah, you are right. They start. This is where they start to move into this kind of like stylish teens sort of zone, and you're like, oh yeah, you're kind of like on the front of cover magazines and stuff now. Like it's, this is what it's that kind of era. Um, but I do think it's very good. Um, I think it's, it's a, and the spectacle is really great. Like where you've all the different um, contests, the dragons and things oh, like yeah. that. Um, yeah, really, really like this one. Um, so yeah, let's um, let's move to number number five and Order of the Phoenix. Um, oh, actually no, just quickly skip back. So just to chat about that that scene where he does shower him, um, I quite I'm okay with it now, but I remember at the time it being such a strange thing where it was a bit like, oh my god, like what's in the market for investment worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry? Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What's Dumbledore doing? And it almost is potentially a sort of time where the films do start to deviate quite a lot. They do start to kind of go out on their own and be more um, their own thing. And I think the actors play a big part in that, like what they decide to do with the role by this point, especially the ones that have been you know, had enough time with it, I guess. Um, but was it a deal breaker for you guys? Did you watch that and go, this is really throwing me now? Or was it kind of okay because it was like a gamble? Yeah, I think I think that's interesting. I think, I think you're right in terms of the actors do sort of make the roles their own. Um, so I don't think, I don't know, I mean... Harry Potter fan, super fans might come after me, but I don't know if it matters too much. Is it because they they naturally evolve on screen differently to the way that they would in the book? Mm. I think. I mean, the only we should probably talk about this a bit later, but my only grievance is Ginny's character um, and how different she is in the film versus mm-hmm. the book. Yeah, that's the only character that I. Mm-hmm. I'm not happy about the way that she was portrayed on screen at all. You're not alone, Amber. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way that Amber yeah. says, like, I'm not happy. Like, in the present tense, she's still not happy. Yeah. You, you didn't say, I wasn't happy about it. Like, you're yeah. still not happy. <laughs> I, well, I, I, was, I was talking about this literally yesterday because I, I was, yeah, telling my partner that I was going to be on the podcast and I was like, I have to talk about Ginny. That's <laughs> my one grievance. We need to talk about Ginny. <laughs> yeah. I have to talk about her just because... In the book, she's so like, she's so headstrong. I mean, she's got six older brothers, like, kind of got to be a strong, independent woman. And in the film, she's just not that. It doesn't really make any sense that Harry ends up with her, to be honest. He's like, what? No, Um, and she's just kind of like, flirty. In the film. Like, oh, we fancy each other, no? Okay. Yeah, literally. And she's just. We're going off in a tangent here, but I feel like I need to back Amber up on this. Um, <laughs> Ginny, yeah, so I was, I was, what's, what's the phrase? Shipping, shipping them heavy, hard in the books. You know, I thought that's a great relationship, um, but it just doesn't play it the same way in the films for me, and I don't, mm-hmm. it, I just didn't get the same kind of feeling that I got when I was reading it. So yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, it just feels a bit forced in the film, doesn't it? Like, yeah. oh, well, they end up together in the book, so they kind of have to end up together, and we can't, we we have to delete some scenes because the film's too long. So yeah. just here you go, you're together now. Yeah, make it work later on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so we go to number five, um, by which time we're now in two thousand seven. Um, Order of the Phoenix, uh, Amber. Can you give us the the spiel for this one? Yes. So, Order of the Phoenix, by now, Harry's, you know, trauma, I guess, is kind of really set in. Voldemort's back, but no one believes him. Um, so, you know, Harry kind of thinks, well, we need to prepare for the worst because Voldemort is back and, you know, his supporters are going to be rallying against against Hogwarts and against the wizarding world. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess this is a case of um, the government not doing what, like well, it's the Ministry of Magic, isn't it? Not doing what Harry and Dumbledore want, which is like warning people about Dumbledore. So um, yeah, 
Harry basically creates Dumbledore's army in Hogwarts, which is like an underground student union, I guess, against <laughs> against Voldemort, and he teaches them spells so that they can defend themselves if if the worst does happen. Um, and yeah, it's pretty intense. This one, I think, this is probably my favorite book. Um, oh, really? It's also very long. The book, I think, it's nearly eight hundred pages long. So. Yeah, it, like it's four and five when they're next to each other on my bookcase, so they're very big. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's hefty. Hefty ones, yeah. Um, this was, I remember this one in the marketing leading up to it, because is this the one, is this the one where he kisses Cho? Yes. Yes, yeah, I think so, that, yeah. All they Another were talking about was like, they were just talking about the fact that he was going to have this like on-screen kiss, and I was just like, well, if you've read the books, it really doesn't really make that much difference. Like, it's not, yeah. it's not that big a point, but... Um, yeah, I think obviously this is the first one where David Yates directs and he then directs all of them from here on out and you do get kind of like a consistency of tone which you don't get with the first four films. Um, oh, yeah. There's, there's such a shift, as you were saying, like, you know, a tonal shift between them, whereas I think from here on out they do follow a, a much more um, consistent path. Uh, Chris, is it a hit for you, this one? Uh, yeah, I do, I do like this one. Um, if we're going off uh, alternate titles, this would be the, the one with the awkward teenage hormonal um, <laughs> interactions, um, basically everyone giving each other shy glances while practicing spells in the room of requirement, but I do like it, it's got that kind of, it's kind of, keeps that dark tone, but sort of a bit, it's a, it's a little bit lighter than the last two as well, so it kind of balances out. Um, I really like the the scenes where Alan Rickman and Daniel Radcliffe, when he's teaching him um, uh, um to try and shield his mind from Voldemort, and the dynamic between those two, I think, in those scenes is really good and powerful, and obviously uh, um, the late Alan Rickman, any scenes that he was in were absolutely amazing to watch. Um, but yeah, I do enjoy this one. I think it introduces a lot of... Um, uh, new characters. Uh, Tonks is in this one, which is great. Legend. Okay. Yeah. We needed more Tonks. I yeah, more oh, agreed. Yeah, and then Mad Eye is back. You know, <laughs> the real, the real Mad Eye. Um, How has he not got a spin-off film? I'm I, sorry, don't, but... I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, 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 yeah, this is a, this is a good one for me, and really starts to set. Like you say, David Yates started this one and carried on for the series, and I think he starts on a really strong foot and it's only it's only good from there for me yeah i think this gets it uh, the tone just right it's not actually it's one of my least favorite of the books like, in terms of the stories because i it, i got a bit kind of bored with the bureaucracy angle of it like being like oh they're you know, interfering with hogwarts and it was like oh, okay but i think the the way that the film works is is really good um you see Harry taking more of a kind of a proactive role in the resistance and things, whereas I think he's always been like a bystander in the previous films, always just kind of, well, not bystander, but as in, he's always just happened to him, like he's been a victim of the situation, whereas with this, yeah, he does become the hero that we see in the last few films. That's, um, That's yeah. such a good point, actually, because you, I think the Order of the Phoenix film is definitely where you really get a sense of Harry's anger for the first time, yeah. like obviously with Voldemort's in his head, and he just snaps. Um, but whereas, because I think you get a lot more of that in the book, where he's genuinely just really angry and frustrated the whole time, because he feels like he's not being listened to. Um, but then I think this is 
you don't really get that until until this film um which is i guess why like i like obviously in this film you get introduced to luna lovegood as well i that's why i love their dynamic so much in this because she she kind of is able to understand his grief mm. um and relate to him on that level um i just love luna another great piece of casting there she's yeah. worked so well in that role that, that was perfect, yeah, spot on for me Luna yeah. is my favorite character in the British action films. You remind me of Luna a little bit, actually, Chris. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> similar accents, yeah. Celtic, yeah. Yeah, uh, I it's think the same part of the world, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Um, uh, yeah, no, I think Ivana Lynch is perfect in that role. I can't imagine anyone else doing that. And you're you're absolutely right. The connection she establishes with Harry about grief is really important and it mm. plays off later in the later films as well when they have more interactions i just wish there was more uh winner in the films in general <laughs> you should get a spin-off never mind my uh, I, I think the spin-off list is just growing and growing every time i talk about these films i'm like we want more of that more of that i mean yeah. we want to talk about the yeah, that series, you know, the, um, the fantastic beasts but that wasn't what i wanted i wanted more of this i wanted more <laughs> of these characters um so we'll jump ahead to the Half-Blood Prince. Um, Chris, I think it's your turn to, uh, to give us a quick synopsis. Okay, uh, Half-Blood Prince. I'll try and be a bit more concise uh, this time. Um, but it's fine, carry on. At the start of this film, we see um, Bellatrix and Narcissa talking to Snape, making some kind of um, pact with him to protect Draco, uh, for what we don't know, but we are under the assumption that Draco has been given some co- some kind of task by Voldemort to carry out. Um, throughout this, and then at the time at Hogwarts, Harry becomes increasingly suspicious of him and starts to investigate as to what he's exactly up to. Um, at the same time, Harry is asked to help Dumbledore get. Um, Horace Slughorn back as professor at um, uh, Hogwarts, um, which means we are introduced to the great Jim Broadbent, which is fantastic, absolute legend. Um, And it it transpires that Dumbledore, as always, has his reasons for bringing him back, as opposed to just having a new potions professor. And the but the main crux of the film, as it were, is Harry discovers in potions class a book. uh, of potion making that is tattered and written on and scribbled and all kinds of mess but it's signed by someone called the Half-Blood Prince and it basically teaches them, teaches him how to be really good at making potions but then it also turns into this, this the story then transpires into this other dark place of everything that's going on with Draco and all these other things and it's it's uh, it ends in a very um down note, I would say, and uh, <laughs> then sets us up for the final two parts of the series on basically this is it. We're as to quote another universe in the end game now, and really this is where things are starting to really heat up. How you managed to shoehorn that in, Chris? I don't know. That <laughs> See you know, previous episodes. For you know me. But yeah, this obviously this film. Spoilers, I mean, if you haven't seen it, obviously, but this is the film where, obviously, Dumbledore is 
killed, and that is a massive catalyst for the second two films. Uh, the second, so, oh, excuse me, the next two films um, in the series, and really um, begins to sh- shape where we're going and where the story is going. Um, and that moment for me was just huge in the whole series because I'd read it obviously, and I knew it was coming. Um, I think uh, my then girlfriend at the time who we were watching where she hadn't read the book so she didn't know and her face was just aghast <laughs> she, she looked at me and i was like oh, i know right and uh, <laughs> it is uh, such a shock it is it is i mean it's not it didn't quite hit me as hard as spoilers again dobby but um you know oh, why would you oh, say that <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry i don't want to bring it up oh no but um or, or actually, I have a, I have one that hit me worse than that, but we'll get to that in the next film. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think this film is really good. It's, it really goes to a dark place. Uh, the things like the fight scene between, um, or the duel, I guess you call it, with Malfoy and Harry takes a real sinister turn, and then the whole film just sort of starts going down and down in terms of tone from there. And I think it does really well to sort of edge our way into there, and but still doing a lot of the stuff you know from the book. I think it's I, I like this one. I put it probably put it at number two in my list. Oh, interesting. Um, Amber, how how do you feel about this one? I think, and I mean it now. I think this one is my favorite. Um, <laughs> Is it is that controversial? I don't know. Oh, I don't think so. I, I just like doing that. I just like adding oh. drama and suspense. Oh, <laughs> um, it's it's just got everything, hasn't it? It's got it's got romance. As I mean, this is the one where Ron and Lavender get together. Oh, isn't it? And, oh yeah, she's funny, isn't she? <laughs> yeah, and that's that's controversial. <laughs> um, and you, you really get a sense of, I think as well, like. This is where you get to you get a real, real sense of Harry and Hermione's friendship as well. They really sort of rally together, and it continues that way with the, with the next two films as well. They really do support each other, especially when Ron's being an idiot and not realizing that you know, Hermione likes him, whatever. Um, but then, yeah, I guess it, it is a lot more sinister. You get a real, you get a lot of in-depth character moments, especially with Malfoy and. Um, Dumbledore as well before before the the tragedy. Um, I I like the um, I like the beginning of this film as well. I think it begins it begins at Surbiton train station. I think is that right? Yeah, the cafe bit. Yeah, yeah and then Dumbledore oh, yeah. just appears and is like, "Let me take you on a on a tour." Imagine <laughs> though, imagine if you were getting a train that night and you just see him over there and you go. What, what, what's going on? Who is this guy? <laughs> Why is he staring at that young boy? What? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, you're just you're just watching in the corner, like yeah. they have disappeared now. Okay, well, <laughs> fine. Um, but yeah, when 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 Chris was uh, talking about um, Slughorn, I realised that we um, we just didn't talk about Umbridge in Order of the Phoenix. Oh my god, she's quite important, isn't she? In that film, <laughs> how did you miss that? Because <laughs> she's just quite. a bureaucrat. Yeah. 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 But yeah, no, Slughorn and Umbridge both really, really well written and well acted. Mm. Absolute incredible yeah. actors. So to just to go back and give Imelda Staunton her due, to be so dislikable just 
goes to show how great she is in that role. She is amazingly good in that role. You hate her, you hate every inch of her, but she is so good at that. She is, she's just her little mannerisms, literally everything she does is just so infuriating. Oh yeah, like her little or whatever it is. Yeah, it's like, oh, she does it. She does it in the other very good, Amber, by the way. That was really I hate her more than Voldemort, I think. Yeah, She is worse. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. But as well, I want to, in this film as well, I'd like to say as well for Daniel Radcliffe's comedic acting, I think is actually really good. Yeah. The whole Liquid Luck sequence. Oh, yeah. He's good. leading um, Slughorn around and he's doing the thing with the fangs and he's, and he's oh, <laughs> it's like another beam. But uh, I, I really, I think, cause some people say, like, that I, I disagree with Daniel Radcliffe, but, you know, one note and, you know, he doesn't have a lot of, um, he does have a lot of different shades in these films, but I really think that gives him a chance to show, yeah, he actually is really good at what he mm-hmm. does. And I have a lot of respect for Daniel Radcliffe as an actor anyway, because, I mean, he's going to be Harry Potter for the rest of his life, no matter what he does, but he is yeah. proving that he can be an actor. And I think this is where you can see, yeah, he can actually do this, do really good at what he does. I love well, that. Film. I think I want to give a shout out to the, uh, the boy who plays the young um, Tom Riddle. Because is he okay? We need to check that he, that boy is oh, okay. Yeah. Oh god, oh, he's so oh, wow. creepy. <laughs> you want to do that bit? I was like, oh, what, what? <laughs> Don't let him out. Burn him. Burn him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, when 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 um, Dumbledore sets the wardrobe on fire in the orphanage and and Tom, his eyes just light up with glee. It's like, yeah, oh, it's this, like, this yeah, kid is messed up. Like, come on, don't let him out. You do, yeah. get, you do very much get Damien from the Omen vibes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you get someone, it's all for you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you're right, he's creepy. Yeah. He um, so, all right, let's move on to the final book that was split into two films, so Deathly Hallows Part 1. So I'm going to summarise this because it's probably the easiest one to summarise, which is basically they go camping, and that's it, really. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It was one of the films that I remember going to the cinema with my friends, and it was when you kind of go with all your... All your friends go because you all go in cinema, but several of them weren't really Harry Potter fans, and we made them sit through this film, and they were like... What was that? <laughs> um, but I genuinely like this film. I like it because I think it's got the slow burn that none of the other Harry Potter films have. That you kind of, for those of you who like the characters, who really like spending time with these characters, this is the film because you get yeah. to actually just be with them. They they have actual conversations and there's dialogue and obviously Ron becomes like all moany again like he did in one of the previous films and it I think it for me it's one of the films I don't mind re-watching this even though a lot of people just find it really boring <laughs> like I think on that honest trailers they said it's, it's the one where they walk like that's all <laughs> they do like just wander around like um, but yeah I, I think it was you know it's the one where they're obviously also it's the only one pretty much not at Hogwarts, right? It doesn't, I don't know if it's right at the oh. end, maybe they're there. But generally, yeah, that's the point. they're yeah. not at Hogwarts yeah, in this yeah. one. So it it doesn't, it's the first one that doesn't have that look and feel. Like all the other ha- uh, films have Hogwarts as that absolute huge setting that you feel familiar with and it's where all the stuff happens generally. But, but this one, it's like, 
Oh no, they're like in London or they're in the woods, and it did feel like a much different film to what we've been given. So, yeah, I, I, I do like it. Um, but let me hand it over to to uh, to Amber. How do you feel about this one? Yeah, no, I would agree. I think it's it's like the it's like the build up to the final showdown, isn't it? You, mm-hmm. I, I feel like with this one, you feel tense the whole time because you you know what's coming. I mean, if you've read the books, you know what's coming. But you, I mean. You know, you, you know that it's like building up to something mm. big and terrifying, and that and they're in hiding, and you're constantly on edge because you think, oh no, like what? There's a couple of near misses where people nearly catch them, and then they are caught. Spoilers, um, <laughs> but yeah, I I think as well that I think I don't know. Feel free to disagree, but I feel like with with this one, it's it's kind of one of the first times that the three of them are really just on their own in the middle of nowhere, left to their own yeah, devices. And they, you know, they've kind of got to save the world, the, ma- the magical world. Um, and it's a real personal test for all of them, especially, you know, when they argue and, and that kind of thing. But no, I, I like this film. I think it's good. And obviously there's, there's real sadness at the end with, with Dobby. Oh. Oh. Yeah, it's got the that's the got to be the most heartbreaking moment to be honest. It's so, although yeah. I've got a feeling, Chris, you said there's a different one, different moment. Yeah, it's it, it, it Hedwig. It, it is. It's, oh. So it's Hedwig. so it's so quick and so brutal. It just happens so so instantly that I remember. I, I think I'd actually forgot it happened, and mm. I, I, every time I rewatch it, I forget it happens, and then it happens, and I'm like. I, I, I rewatched part one and part two um, this weekend to in prep for this, and I forgot again. And I saw it, and I literally sat forward in my chair, going, "Oh my god!" And it's because it's so quick, and it's then I just it's it's, it's an injustice, is what it is. But um, <laughs> but apart from that, I I I love this film. I think it's I think it's really good. It does have a lot. Uh, it does still have some of the fantasy elements, obviously. They start with the eight different Harrys, you know, is a good sequence, you know, they have all that kind of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sort of becomes this um, very kind of dark indie drama where they're all in the woods sort of, you know, at each other's throats and, you know, mm-hmm. trying to figure out what they're supposed to be doing. And, yet, and yes, it is the film where they walk in camp. And that is a, a, a to be fair, that is a good chunk of the film. But it is all setting a really good foundation for what's to come, um, like Amber said. Um, and I think you need this before you get to that. You couldn't just go 100 miles an hour in this film because you're going at 200 miles an hour in the next film. It's just, it would just be too much. You need to build it up so you're ready for the finale. And I think that's what this film does really well. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he needed that. That slight, it's almost like, um, you know, when you watch Lord of the Rings or something like that, before one of the big battles, they mm. normally have like a slower scene and that kind of does give yeah. you that time to just like emotionally <laughs> prepare for what's yeah. to come. And I think this film does it brilliantly. Yeah, and it's a good it's a good note to end the first film on, obviously, with the death of Dobby, because it obviously, I mean, for me, it was like, well, no, this is personal, you know, we need to, you know, let's go into the second one ready. But I think that is. The point where Harry and everyone else sort of not that they didn't understand the stakes of what's happening, but it's it's 
it's really real now and they know what they're in for it but they know what they have to do and it really is a good note to end the first film on before we start the second one yeah it's also a, a real like sharp transition into adulthood i guess especially for harry because dumbledore's gone and then at the beginning of this film hedwig's gone and at the end of the film dobby's gone and it's like all of these key figures from the early films mm. that are kind of introduced him into the magical world um, are now dead and it's kind of like his childhood is just gone and now he just has to he's on his own he has to you know use the resources he's got and yeah it's like the storm is brewing because the interesting thing actually we've not touched upon is that these films they they literally are coming of age like you see Mm. him grow up through all of this and yeah i think it's by this point that you are kind of like yeah, he must have PTSD. There's too much yeah. now. Like, how is he going to get time. through this last book? Especially if you know, like, what happens. You're like, it's too much. Um, and I think this film does it really well. Um, gives him lots of moments to be Harry um, without it being things happening to Harry. And I really, you know, I, I actually really enjoy the um, the bits with you know, him and Hermione, especially when Ron goes and they have these very like, close moments and like a little dance at one point. Is really sort of sweet and sentimental. And it's funny enough because a lot of people who hadn't read the book said to me, "Oh, do they get together in the end?" And I was like, "Oh, you got to read the books, man. This is yeah. totally different." I think that was the way it was originally intended, um, which is why it kind of, when they were making the first films, it's kind of there's little hints here and there in the books and the films. But then I think things changed. <laughs> yeah. um, quite last minute and it was you know it was Ron and Hermione that were meant to be together but it is interesting to think what could have been, could have been. Um, so as you said you know, at the end of the film poor Dobby um, is gone and we get part two um, so uh, Amber as it's your first time on the podcast I'll let you finish the synopsis with these ones so um, what happens in, in part two chaos <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a good way to summarize this one. Obviously, it's the finale. They are, um, I guess, it's a race against time for for them to stop Voldemort and to destroy. They, I mean, they figured out that there's Horcruxes by this point, and they need to destroy them all so that Voldemort will be gone forever. Um, so there's that going on. Obviously, they're trying to slowly make their way back to Hogwarts whilst trying to find where these Horcruxes are. Um, is this the one where, with the scene, the very impressive scene in in Gringotts? In the bank, yeah. 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 The dragon. Mm. That was amazing when mm. she's obviously... I can't remember if this is the first one or the second one. But regardless, when they're in the bank and they're, they've taken Polyjuice Potion, yeah. that's, that's a brilliant scene. Um, but yeah... Destroying Horcruxes, all all that good stuff. Um, and meanwhile, at Hogwarts, things are pretty dark. Death Eaters have kind of taken over Hogwarts. It's looking very bleak. So the students, um, what's left of Dumbledore's army from the Order of the Phoenix, are kind of rallying together to try and to try their best. But it's it's not looking very hopeful until the main three make it back to Hogwarts, um, and then. Um, you, we get the Battle of Hogwarts, which is a lot of death and despair. This is sounding very bleak, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, hope, hope, hope is to come. And Harry and the star of 
Deathly Hallows Part 2, I feel like, other than Harry, is Neville Longbottom. I was about to say, we've not mentioned Absolute him in this guy. whole podcast. And, yeah, you know, yeah how, have we, how have we not? <laughs> Someone did say that's really good. Isn't it really about him? Like, he's the one that saves the day. And I was like, oh, you got a point. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. He kills the last... Crux. And then yeah. a, a, the mad romance out of nowhere that he has for Luna that, that's just not mentioned anywhere. It's kind of go, okay. Okay, guess, <laughs> okay. guess they're together now. You go, yeah. for it. go for it, Nelly. <laughs> go, go have a go. You prepared um, one up for the end. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I, I think this was the film that if you were bored by the first part, you kind of go, oh, it's okay, because they made up for it in the second part, because this goes yeah. so fast. To be honest, I feel it's too quick. I think it needed another half an hour at least to just slow down a little bit, because this was, oh, actually, I saw this in the cinema, and I did the cardinal sin of having to go to the bathroom. And I was no. like, I have to go to the bathroom. I, I absolutely misjudged oh, no. a Coke Zero. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't get around it. I was like, I've got to go, because you know when you're not enjoying it, all you're thinking about is needing to leave. Yeah, because I'd read the book, I was like, I'm pretty sure I can go now. I came back, and then my partner just went, uh, "Yeah, one of the twins died." Oh, <laughs> I was what? like, what? "How long was I gone?" Um, so yeah, I think this is one of the films that is. I actually think it's quite flawed because it doesn't make a lot of sense to people that haven't read the books. I know that a lot of people that watch it go, "What? What happened there? Oh, I didn't get that, or I didn't get that." Um, and I think that. It's yeah, it is a little bit fast, but it is absolutely action packed. It's definitely the film that when I watch it, it flies by. I get to the end of it, and I'm like, oh, that was too quick. Um, really, really enjoyed it, and it's, it is a very good send off. I think you know, the action and stuff at Hogwarts at the end is brilliant. The um, all the different characters get a lot of screen time. You get a lot of Alan Rickman, which you know. I'm yes, I was going to say Snape. Yeah, amazing. Which. Funny enough, because that's another thing. Like, obviously, when you read the books, you know. But when you're watching the films, whether people know what's going to happen with Snape, and they do genuinely, like, I had like a close friend of mine say, "I think he's a baddie. I think he is a baddie." And then like, he watched the film, and he was like, oh, "I got it wrong. I got it wrong." Um, I think yeah. this is a great film to just tie it all together. It really, really works for me. Um, Chris, is it good? Is it up there? Up there for you? Yeah, it's 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 a good finale. It it kind of validates all the because like we said you know the first film the first part of this two-parter is a lot slower and a lot um a lot more about the characters and what they're doing and their interactions and i think the second film really validates why that was important and then just builds on that and allows this film to do what it needs to do because the other film did what it needed to do to get us there i completely agree with you in the fact that it is probably a bit too short and it tries to do a lot in its, I think, is it just over two hours? Just over two hours, yeah. Which is much shorter than Chamber of Secrets, and they gave that much more time. But, <laughs> um, but they could have, yeah, they could have easily put in an extra half hour, padded some bits out, put some more bits in, because I do agree as well. I think it's slightly inaccessible to those who haven't read the book in terms of certain points. Um, mm. But I think it does get a lot right, and I think, because a lot of franchises or anything that lasts that goes on for a while the ending's always really hard to land um for anything um and but i think this does a really good job in doing it and it's it's it's, it's heavy it's a heavy film um it deals with a lot of it goes to a lot of heavy dark places but i feel like it does it in a very uh sophisticated way it does it really uh elegantly and i think it really tells 
the story it's trying to tell really well, and I think everyone in it plays their parts to as the maybe the best they've played them in the whole eight, eight films. Fantastic. Uh, Amber, do you agree? Yeah, I completely agree. I think you're right in terms of it is like a whistle-stop tour of the book. They do just throw everything in there. Um, but at the same time, it it does really come full circle. Um, and they, they do the parallels really well, between, obviously between Harry and Neville and... Um, with the, in terms of explaining the Deathly Hallows and the Peveril Brothers um, and the parallels between um, Voldemort, Snape and Harry um, that I feel like that lands very well um, obviously um, Snape's redemption scene um, also such a tearjerker I think the first time I saw it I, I did cry <laughs> I'm not going to lie um, and then again with when it flashes forward to when they're sending their own children off on the Hogwarts Express for the first time. I think, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I feel like it is just the the only way it can end. Like, that kind of full circle moment of them saying, you know, sending their kids off to Hogwarts and the magical world continues. I don't know what you guys think. I, I think my only thought from that last scene was, Wow, those names. That's, how can <laughs> That's you call so those true. kids those things? Um, I also loved the way that they tried to make the actors look older, but it kind of didn't really work. Like yeah. it's kind of. I think <laughs> Emma Watson's just wearing a big coat, isn't she? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good point and they uh, kind of parted Rupert Grint's hair like yeah he just looked like, like he'd let himself go right? it was like oh, okay um, given Rupert Grint a gut as well yeah he's um, got a dad bod isn't he yeah. I think I think if you because I as I said like, Tom Felton gets the worst deal I think he looks terrible he's not <laughs> as well um, um, Bonnie Wright's done alright she's just had her hair done she's practically the same person yeah um, but yeah but I do agree, Amber. I think that sort of coda there at the end is is almost the perfect note to which go right. The story's done. This is it. Obviously, they then do Cursed Child. But yeah, I think for this eight film arc, yeah, you're right. It is. I couldn't think of another way to do it. No. No, it, it definitely worked um, to have that little bit, um, and I think that it also was a really f- nice way of, of almost kind of going well. You never know. They could always write some more. Like, you know, they've got new characters they could go oh, back yeah. off to, to Hogwarts instead of what they did, which I'm not going to go into it. You can tell by my tone that I'm not having mm. a fantastic piece. Um, I've never seen any of them. I refuse to watch them. Yeah, the first one was okay. The second one, you just go, right, no, you've absolutely thrown this in the bin. No, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, I quite like the first one when it first came out. It was a bit and, different, but, yeah, yeah. Eddie Redmayne being him. Um, but the second one, it was like, this is absolutely long. bonkers. This isn't yeah. making any sense. Um, but we won't talk about that because it's going to ruin the, the finale of the podcast. Um, so just to recap, let's just uh, um, go through our favourite uh, Harry Potter film. So mine was number four, um, The Goblet of Fire. Chris, what was your favourite? Uh, I'm going to stick with Prisoner of Azkaban for me. Fair enough. And Amber? I think I'm going to go Half Blood Prince for me. Um, all very different films, but all you know, so much part of the, the collective Harry Potter experience. Um, but yeah, they're just excellent films. Really, really good British filmmaking. Lots of great talent, acting talent, um, and I think 
as I think Chris, you mentioned earlier, like the production values and stuff like that, you really do have to admire the filmmaking that went on behind the scenes. I think it was just a huge endeavor. Um, and I think, yeah, if anyone hasn't been on the tour and you're a Harry Potter fan, you kind of have to do it you need to go. twice. And you have to go on your birthday. That's the main Absolutely. thing. You have to we'll go just on your pretend birthday. it's your birthday. Oh, yeah, so do that fun. thing. I do that in TGIs. If I'm in there, I go, oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 do that anywhere, anywhere I go. Yeah, yeah. Your in, in the post office. Yeah, I'm going to try that. <laughs> <laughs> they don't care. I, I just heads up. Um, but yeah, I want to say a big thank you to my guests tonight for my little muggles turning up. So thank you, Amber. I hope you've enjoyed your first podcast experience. I have. Thank you very much for having me. It's been it's been great. Thanks so much. Um, and uh, just do the uh, the Umbridge impression again. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> I want that as a ringtone. Um, Chris, thank you as always for for, for being here and, and putting up with my um, my Scottish jokes. I don't think I actually did any this time. I think I've I've let you off the hook. I know it's pretty light this time. Maybe yeah, next time. Pretty light. <laughs> um, this has been the UK Film Review podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you again. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.